You guys may be seated. Let me get that microphone on. You know, the Apostle Paul was sent out on several Similar to that, we get to come back, those who went to annual conference last week, and give a report of what's going on. Elena, Zach, I'll have you guys come on up, grab a chair and a stool. Uh, for those that don't know, First Free Methodist Church, the church that meets on the corner of Ash and Cortland in Spokane, Washington, is part of a greater conference. We're part of the River Conference, which spans from essentially the Canadian border uh, all the way down, kind of S's through, down into Texas, so just north of the Mexican border. Uh, we weren't always this large as a, as a conference. We were part of the Columbia River Conference up until about three or four years ago, and we merged with the River Conference. We've got, I think we're up to about 65 churches now in this conference. Churches that range in size from 30 to 35 up into um, pushing 1,000, 1,500 um, some multi-site churches where there's one main site with a couple other sites that are going. Uh, so we've got a broad range of churches, uh, from, from churches that look about the same uh, in terms of color of skin to churches that speak four or five, six different languages in a service. And it is fantastic to be able to go to annual conference, leadership summit, and to be able to sit and hear what God is doing in our conference. Um, each year, it is, it's a joy for me to be able to go. It's, it's a great reminder that God is doing stuff, uh, some very big stuff. And it's a great reminder that we are part of something more than just 1725 West Cortland. Now, I could stand here, or sit here, and uh, give you my report of what's going on. And I'll give you a few facts and figures. I want to ask you questions first, Zach. Um, but instead of hearing it all from me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have others that went share. Uh, a couple facts and figures. Uh, the River Conference, unlike a lot of denominational churches, the River Conference is growing. We grew 12% this last year, which is very good. As a denomination, we're still around the uh, 3 to 4% in growth, which is a lot more than the 3 to 4% in decline of most mainland, mainline denominational churches. Uh, financially, last year, the River Conference dropped our, our church apportionment, our conference apportionment, from 9% down to 8%. And yet we still gave significantly more this year than we did the year before, and we are uh, already close to $10,000 above the expected income for this year. So the River Conference is doing some great things, doing some phenomenal things. Um, I'll share a little bit about what touched me personally, but before that, to hear from a couple of our people that went. For those that don't know, Zach is a local ministerial candidate here at First Church. That's a mouthful. That means that Zach has sensed a call towards ministry. And as a church, it is our job to help him discern that call. Did he hear it right? What's the best track to go on? Um, for the second year in a row, we get, Zach got to go to conference and... Uh, we get to hear what he thought about it. So, Zach, how did this leadership summit affect you personally? Um, can you hear me? I have no idea. Um, right there. Yeah. Um, it affected me personally, I would say, probably the most in just hearing people's stories. Um, Going down there, you hear a lot of the growth and the success stories, 
and some failures too, but some learning failures from the people in the conference. Um, but hearing a lot of the speakers, what they've, how their churches got started or what they've gone through. Uh, in the Young Leaders track, I got to go kind of in different areas and James got to go, and so I got to hear different people speak. Um, got to hear a pastor, I think he's down in Idaho. He had a broken neck, miraculously healed, but I mean, the guy is just, you just look at him and you can tell he's thinking all the time off of that, thinking, you know, what do I do to further the kingdom? Because I've had this experience, I know how close death is at any given moment. I know how fast things can change, and it was really, really impressive. Um, Personally, the personal connection, I would say, is realizing that uh, stories of success or failure, something you should have in ministry, you should have just in life, um, as we're called to ministry, all of us are, and kind of realizing that I have not had some good stories in a while, looking back and being like, I haven't had a good story a good moment where God has really reached out through me in a year or two and kind of feeling the call to get back in the fight and really reach out. Um, reach out and really work towards this and really grab a hold of the kingdom. Very good. Very good. We're get, oh, you're not done yet. We're going to give Zach a second to breathe. Uh, Zach mentioned three different tracks. At this conference, we, uh, we had three different tracks. There was a young leaders track, there was a missions track, and there was a business track. And we got to determine which track we kind of took and that, that shaped and guided who we heard and what teachings we, uh, we got to take part in. Uh, Zach mentioned the, the pastor down in, in is actually Boise New Heights. His name is Brian Johnston. Uh, he is a, a new pastor there. Uh, the church there, a once booming church, was down to a couple hundred people, and in the first six months he's been there, I think they're up to five or six hundred. Uh, God's got a, a grip on his life, and it is an amazing story that, uh, that, that he got to tell. Um, so, Zach, that's what we heard uh, of how the conference affected you personally. How did Leadership Summit affect your perspective on church in general? I do mind because we're recording this we're so recording that those it, who are so at the lake can hear it later. Those of you at the lake. Um, how it uh, affected my perspective on the church was just seeing the massive movement in the church um, towards really reaching out, towards not being stagnant. A lot of churches, um, like you said, our church is actually growing. A lot of churches are declining. A lot of churches look at that and they say, how do we stop this? The first few methods in nomination provide, I can tell, the only question we ask is, what can we do to move forward? Um, I think they'd be asking that question even if we were declining. We'd be asking, what's wrong? But we'd also be saying, what can we do to further God's kingdom? Um, hearing the, my perspective changed a lot um, hearing the, different speakers. Um, Last year we got down there late. We missed the first session and a couple other little things. This year we were able to get down there on time. Um, Got to go to a greenhouse church planting seminar that kind of started before the conference, um, led by this guy Neil Cole. Highly, highly recommend reading his material. Um, The videos from the conference, he won't be in them because he gets paid to do what he does, and so it'd be cheating him out of his living, but he's what I would call a professional church planner. 
-hmm. um, just knows knows how people work, knows how to do things, is touched by the Spirit because he's successful. And you can tell that it's more than just him. Um, but I was really impacted by, by what he had to say about the church, how the church works, how church growth works. Um, it was just really phenomenal. I, like I say, he has several books out there. Might be able to borrow them from James. Yeah, my my copies are signed if you want to borrow them from Ooh. me. He gets everything signed. I watched him walk up and get stuff signed. It was awesome. Um, uh, the Young Leaders track, we got to go and get uh, hear from uh, Brandon Hatmaker. He's pastor of the new Austin. Austin New Church? Austin New Church, yeah, backwards. Austin New Church. Um, phenomenal guy. Phenomenal church. Uh, last year he spoke as one of the keynote speakers, we got to hear a little bit. His video is still on the website, uh, on uh, theriverconference.org. If you haven't checked out, there's three, him and two other speakers that are still on there. Um, I would check them out if you want to know what's happening in the conference. These are people that the conference, the bishops handpick to come speak. And so this is the voice of the conference. This is who, out of the hundreds of pastors they could have chose, these are the people that they invite to come speak. Um, highly advised checking out, but he, phenomenal guy, it was really cool, we got to go to a great, beautiful church there, and hear kind of more of the nuts and bolts from him, we got a question and answer time, which was really different, like I did not have any idea, when they talk about church growth, you kind of hear church growth, you hear what they're doing, you hear the numbers, but you don't get to hear the nuts and bolts side of things, how he works, and so we've got Got to hear a lot from him, and that was really phenomenal. The Going back to kind of the question, the perspective that I see is changing is just we're really, there's a purpose out there. Um, and it's really not, like for our conference, I'd say it's really universal for all the people in our conference. We, they have this purpose to go out, share Christ in an effective, realistic, tangible and relational way, and you can really tell that that's how, how all these people are moving, because almost every single speaker, I don't, just, it lined up. Like, it was such a clear vision from them. It was great. Very good. Very good. Think back about a year. I'm going to poke fun at you for a second. You can get rid of the mic. <laughs> think you back about a year from, from now, a year back, and, and think back to Zach's uh, annual conference report last year. We asked him how it went. It was cool. Cool. Yeah. It was real What did you get out of it? It was cool. <laughs> Zach's a little bit more articulate this year. We are excited to see uh, what God does through Zach. You're going to be seeing a lot more of him. There'll be a lot more intentionality with his process uh, from here on out. Zach, thank you. Elena. Elena, for those of you who don't know, is our elected delegate. That means at our annual, at our annual meeting, uh, beginning of January, you guys voted Elena to represent First Church to the conference. Uh, this was her first conference to go to in this role. Yeah, the first one as delegate, the first one that I attended with the River Conference. And the first one with yeah. the River Conference. She was real excited to go down. I don't know if you could tell that just by looking at her smile. Um, Elena, what did you hear at conference that was, let's start with most challenging. You want to start there? You want to start? Let's then start with the other one. Start with the other one? Yeah. Okay. What did you hear that was most <laughs> encouraging? 
for me, hearing the heart of the River Conference was probably the number one most encouraging thing. And that heart is um, to follow after Jesus, to make disciples. And um, there's definitely a heart for justice, which, you know, really is close to me. Um, that's been my, my heart for a long time. So um, that was very encouraging. Um, it was good for me to, to hear that as a delegate and also as just myself. Um, and then also encouraging was just the time spent worshiping alongside um, the people, other people from our conference. Um, we have a very diverse conference, and that was so exciting, you know, being able to um, worship next to people of different colors, from, with speaking different languages. Um, it's just an experience that we don't really have in this church so much. Um, and there's, you know, that's who we are, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it was really encouraging to see that diversity. Um, and, and just to know that we all worship the same God, even if we have a, a different word, a different language. Um, and, and to know that that is really a reflection of God's kingdom. Um, to know that, you know, when we're in heaven, all nations will be worshiping together. Um, and then also getting to hear from and speak to um, the different represented church, the different partners, partner organizations that are involved with the River Conference, um, mostly having to do with um, various justice issues. They had a group down in Texas called Restore a Voice that works with domestic human trafficking um, victims, helping them to um, recover and uh, just become part of the, a functioning part of the community again. Um, and there was Heavenly Treasures was there, which we have had here, um, all of their fair trade goods. Uh, there was uh, just multiple different partners that are involved with the River Conference in different ways, and that was really exciting. I was part of the, the Global Initiatives track, which was an, a fancy way to say missions, basically. Um, and so that was really exciting to hear about what's going on uh, missions-wise, throughout the conference, um, you know, people in China and in Haiti and um, in Africa and various different places in Africa. And uh, it was just really exciting to hear what God is doing. Um, and it really kind of relit my fire a little bit, you know, just to, to hear that and to see that and to be a part of it and to know that our church is a part of this conference was very encouraging. Very good. Very good. Well, then, the second part that you avoided at first. What was the most challenging aspect of Leadership Summit? Um, well, throughout the whole time, um, the thing that was really emphasized um, as our goal as a, as a conference, as a denomination, was to listen to Jesus and do what he says. And that sounds really simple, but it's, but it's not easy. Um, and so I, it got me thinking about what does that mean for me personally? What does that mean for our church? Um, and that was, it was a challenge because, you know, one of the things that 
that Jesus says very clearly in the scriptures over and over is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and love your neighbor. Okay, here I go. I've been praying all morning not to cry, but you know. <laughs> Way to go, you started it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Um <laughs> And I think we do love God so well. Um, and challenging for me was, how well do I actually do love your neighbor? Because, you know, I'm involved in all this anti-human trafficking, trafficking stuff and that, loving my neighbor, definitely. But I have some actual neighbors who are kind of unlovely. And, um, and that is, it's super hard. And, and I just felt so challenged. Um, what is that? How do I, how does that, my life need to change in response to this? And then how, as a church, does that, does that look? How do our physical neighbors in our neighborhood feel loved by us? Um, if this church were to disappear, what kind of an impact would it have on our actual neighborhood? Um, and that was a challenge to me. And I think it should be a challenge to all of us. Um, Neil Cole, who Zach talked about, spoke about um, different church philosophies that um, have kind of become per- pervasive in some ways. And he talked about this philosophy of, or theology of, of SAFE, um, which is an acronym, of course, which um, it's a theology of self preservation. Um, avoidance of the world or of risk, um, financial security, and um, the idea that education equals maturity. And, you know, all of those things, there are ways that I have seen our church and myself specifically um, embrace some of those things in different ways. And, um, I don't, I don't think that's what God is calling us to. I think he's calling us to die to ourselves. Um, and, you know, Neil Cole went on to talk about embracing instead a theology of death, uh, which is dying daily to who we are, empowering um, the others in our life, uh, acceptance of risk, uh, a theology... The idea that theology is not just knowledge, but it's also practice. And um, holding on to Christ, but having open hands for everything else. And I think um, if we as a church were to embrace that theology of death, we would see growth not only in numbers, but we would see spiritual growth. Um, And I want that for us. Um, yeah, so I, I can give a lot of specifics of ways that I feel like we have kind of played that safe card, um, and I don't know if it's, if I should talk about them right now, or if you want to just talk to me about them, and I can explain some more of what I'm thinking, um, but I want you guys to know how much I appreciate you. 
and I really love being a part of this church, and I want, I want the best for us, and I want us to, to do what God wants us to do, and to listen to Jesus, and just do what he says. Wow, way to put her on the spot. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have it all written down. Um, <laughs> I, I see um, avoidance of risk in some ways when we kind of stop doing the outside the walls. Um, I think that was a way for us to tangibly love our neighbors, but it was also a risk because we were working on the Sabbath. And I know that that's something that um, is a real taboo for people. And um, it was hard to embrace serving our neighbors as a form of worship. Um, I think along those lines, trying to define how God moves rather than, um, than just being able to see that God moves in new ways all the time um, is a, a way of avoiding risk. Um, and one thing that was talked about at the conference um, was defining the role of a pastor as solely a teacher and saying that, you know, James's job is just to get up on Sunday and teach from the word, and that is certainly part of his job. Um, but to say that that is really his main job, I think, is um, this robbing us of uh, allowing James to use his gifts. Um, and they talked about the role of a teacher being not just to teach the church, teach the saints, but to teach the saints how to teach others. Um, and I think that's something that we have lacked, um, that, that sense of equipping um, to go out and to not just let the pastor on Sunday morning give us the word, but to search the word ourselves. And I know I have been guilty of this, of just taking the sermon and letting that be my understanding of a certain part of scripture rather than asking the Lord to really um, teach me through my own study. So um, those, are, those are the main ways that, that I came up with. Um, and you may agree or disagree, but I feel like there are, there are definitely things that we, can, um, that we can think about and pray about in terms of how we do church. So, that's it. To uh, add to that, um, last week, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> um, last week we had Riley here, and Riley spoke on the narrow way into the kingdom, and how a lot of times we want to walk around and we want to say, you know, where's the where's the double doors? You know, where's the where's the wide way to get into the kingdom? Um, at conference, we really 
we're given the, this mission of loving our neighbors, going out and being a part of them. I think the double doors a lot of times is coming into this church, and that's our double door. That's it. Coming to the church, we don't go into the community. We don't engage. And We're going to talk more about this uh, safe and about this theology of death in formation today. So I would encourage you guys uh, to stick around after our, after our time of, of snacking and chatting, and, and we'll unpack this a little bit more uh, at 11 o'clock in the upper room. One of the biggest things that I got out of conference, I'm going to take you guys off the hot seat. Uh, I went with the business track, and... Uh, the business track really was the, the conference's initial attempts at trying to figure out how we get the, those in the church uh, engaged and recognizing the, the call that God has on them. Because so often um, in, in so many church languages, the, the, they talk about the, the pastor's been called or you know, a specific person has been called to this ministry. And... Uh, they really emphasize the fact that we have all been called where we are at. And something I realized through the, the business track was that as a pastor, I have not done a good job of articulating and celebrating the fact that each and every one of you is a missionary. I, I really came to grips to, to realize, I mean, I thought back over the last couple of years, we've raised $35,000 to send, to send two teams down to Mexico, and, and boy, we have this, this six months of planning for it and preparation, and we're praying for it, and while we're down there, we've got things to pray for just about every hour that the team's down there, and, and we get the group up here, we, we pray for them, we commission them, we send them off, and then when they come back, we have them tell their story of what God did and how God was moving, and, and we fail to say, well, this is how God moved in the missionary of, of Ryan, who gets up Monday morning and goes to work. He, he's on the mission field. He's got people around him that don't know Christ, right? Yeah. We got the mission field of, of Ginny, who lives in Lilac Plaza, who every morning can get up, and there's a mission field right there. And I've realized that, I, that myself, I have not done a good job of saying, man, let's promote these. We, we should be calling somebody up here every single week, commissioning them, saying, okay, First Church, this week we're going to be praying for Merle because in the juvenile justice system, Merle needs prayer, and he's going out as a missionary this week. These are ways we can pray for him. And then the following week, we can come back and hear a report on him. We got ways, we don't do a good job saying, here's Callie, who's a missionary in her own neighborhood, who's got four, five, 12 <laughs> kids, Four, currently four kids who is, who is raising these kids who, who knows, one of them may be the next Billy Graham. And, and the kids in her neighborhood that within a week of her and Heath living in that house are coming to their house, knocking on their door, maybe not even knocking, just walking right into their door. Callie is a missionary in her neighborhood. And we don't do a good enough job as a church. James has not done a good enough job as a church proclaiming that. We've got a church full of missionaries. And the business track, you know, I thought it was going to come in, we're going to throw numbers out, and we're going to talk about how we can, uh, entrepreneurial stuff, and man, I, 
strategize. I left thinking, man, the only strategy we need to do is each Sunday over the next 100 weeks, you know, we pull somebody else up here and we say, what's the mission field you're going to work on tomorrow morning? Let's pray for you. Let's send you out. As a church, what can we pray for this week? Midweek, we'll send it out. Don't forget to be praying for those people. Because imagine the call God has on this church with the, with the 80 to 120 people that sit inside the sanctuary and the other 30 or 40 that are outside in children's ministry. Oh, my. If it's not just Paul that goes out and comes back and reports, but 120 of us that go out and come back report, imagine what that would look like. That's what I got out of annual conference. One of many things. Uh, I would encourage you guys, come talk to us. Invite us over for dinner. I'm not saying that just because it's free food. Uh, invite us to coffee and make us pay. Um, and hear more about annual conference. You're going to hear more uh, from these two over the, the, the weeks to come as God is moving in First Church and in the River Conference. Before uh, the River Conference, we're going to enter into another time of worship and song and continue meeting with God. Let's pray.